Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Ocean State Bird Club offers bird walks, lectures, and a quarterly newsletter all focused on the hundreds of bird species that pass through Rhode Island. Fall is the perfect time to bid farewell to the last of the summer migrants. Find us at OceanStateBirdClub.org and follow us on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 704. Well, millions of people have bird feeders in their backyards, and feeder birds have long since figured out that this represents a pretty reliable supplemental source of food. Meanwhile, as feeder birds flock to your yard in big numbers, some non-feeder birds have noticed their presence, especially predators like last week's mystery bird, the sharp-shinned hawk, and its larger cousin, the cooper's hawk, now there's a new study from the University of Wisconsin-Madison which concludes that the hunting in our backyards is so good that many of these hawks are now city-bred. As the study's senior author, Benjamin Zuckerberg, put it, for hawks, the secret is out. There is a hyperabundance of prey in the city. So the balance persists, in this case, as feeder birds thrive in urban environments, and now so do the birds that prey on them. This represents some good news for wildlife management, according to Professor Zuckerberg, who says, the more we know about which species and what landscape factors allow those species to colonize and persist in urban areas, the better we can manage wildlife in an ever-developing world. Meanwhile, there's lots of evidence that the northward range expansion of many bird species, from cardinals to Carolina wrens, from vireos to vultures, and the list goes on, is the result of our world getting warmer. And the United States is already feeling the heat from climate change, including right in the pocketbook. As many of our listeners have heard, a new federal report has found that the damage from climate change could cost the U.S. hundreds of billions of dollars by the end of the century if more preventative measures aren't taken now. The report was filed on behalf of 13 different federal agencies and points out that, quote, Earth's climate is now changing faster than at any point in the history of modern civilization, primarily as a result of human activities. End quote. And speaking of human activities, talk is ramping up again about the possibility of expanding a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border, a wall that would cross many environmentally sensitive areas, including the lower Rio Grande Valley National Wildlife Refuge, the Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge, Sable Palm Sanctuary, Benson Rio Grande Valley State Park and National Butterfly Center, Big Bend National Park, Big Bend Ranch State Park, and Black Gap Wildlife Management Area. As a result, a coalition of more than 170 organizations supporting wildlife conservation and public lands has sent a letter to Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen expressing serious concern over the plans, which they say could be very harmful to many species. The Department of Homeland Security says it remains committed to environmental stewardship, but the American Bird Conservancy points out that the department has exercised waiver authority on nine occasions 
to avoid compliance with environmental laws. Stay tuned. That's the sound of our mystery bird in a preview of today's mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later on in the show. Just to prepare you for it, here are some clues. Our mystery bird is about 17 inches long with a wingspan of almost three feet. It has a long, slender, yellow to reddish-orange bill, a short, forked tail, and in breeding plumage, a complete black cap with a shaggy crest. Otherwise, it's mostly white all over with some dark coloration in the wingtips. It feeds by plunge diving for fish. That's a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later in the show with a whole raft of beautiful prizes included. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos on our Facebook page this week. Male birds that experience low-stress early lives sing better as adults. That's the conclusion of a new study. And we'll link you to the details provided by phys.org. That's P-H-Y-S. There's some rare good news to report about the status of mountain gorillas. The International Union for Conservation of Nature says mountain gorilla populations are slowly rebounding and that their status has been upgraded from critically endangered to endangered. On our page, we'll connect you to a story about it from the Seattle Times. And bird versus jackal. Check out an amazing picture from Tanzania of a Rupel's griffin vulture in an encounter with a golden jackal, courtesy of our friend, the great nature photographer, Sean Carey. And that's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. You can also find those first two stories through an online search. We're very grateful and happy to be able to say thank you again to more new Talking Birds ambassadors, folks who have agreed to let us send them some of our little info cards to hand out to their friends and neighbors and associates to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. And today we say thank you to Dan Delvecchio from Scarsdale, New York. They're in Westchester County, just north of New York City. And to Cheryl L. from Sarasota, Florida. She says, would like to hand out your info cards at our monthly Audubon meetings and our Nature Center. Thank you so much, Cheryl and Dan. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join Cheryl and Dan. Become an ambassador. Pretty easy to do. Just go to TalkingBirds.com and then go to the contact button there at the top of the page and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll hear some details about how the home of the NBA's Milwaukee Bucks became the world's first bird-friendly sports arena when we talk with the American Bird Conservancy's Brian Lenz. Plus, Mike O'Connor from the world-famous Birdwatchers General Store in Cape Cod will be here for a Let's Ask Mike live segment focusing on the number one feeder bird in America's backyards. And just ahead, we'll head out west, up north, and all around to meet today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. From the land where men's legs are not long enough to reach a horse's hindquarters comes the cowboy boot that's become a sagebrush sensation. It's the Lapland Long Spur. 
and it's the boot that cowpokes uh, everywhere. Sorry to interrupt your commercial, but did you know that the Lapland long spur is actually a bird? Uh, what's that, Pilgrim? It's a bird. A bird? <laughs> you horn-swoggling me? Uh, I don't think so. The Lapland longspur is a songbird that breeds in the Arctic tundra and winters across much of Canada and the U.S. It's a sparrow-like bird with a short, thick, pointed bill, a rust-colored patch on the wings, streaked sides, and white outer tail feathers. And it often congregates in huge winter flocks, some of which have been estimated as large as four million birds. The Lapland longspur gets the first part of its common name from one of its wintering grounds in northern Scandinavia. And it gets the second part of its name from the elongated claw of its hind toe. So it really does have a long spur. <laughs> Perfect for a cowboy boot. Uh, next week, we'll try to define the word hornswoggle. But for now, that's today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend, Calcarius Laponicus, the Lapland long spur. Welcome again to our show. Number 704, as always, we invite you to visit our website. That would be TalkinBirds.com, and no G in Talkin' is how to find that. And we do hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talkin' Birds. Brian Lenz is the Collisions Campaign Manager for the American Bird Conservancy. Before that, he was the Director of Bird City, Wisconsin. We'll find out what a bird city is shortly, but first we want to find out how Brian and Bird City, Wisconsin, convinced the Milwaukee Bucks to help create the world's first bird-friendly sports arena. Brian Lenz joins us on the phone right now from Wisconsin. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, you're you're very welcome, and we're glad to have you on here. I'm just thinking, Brian, we, we know some big... Um, arenas or facilities have been retrofitted to become bird-friendly. The Javits Center in New York comes to mind, but I guess from the ground up, this is, the, as described, the world's first bird-friendly sports arena built uh, to be so, Fiserv Forum, home of the NBA's Milwaukee Bucks. How did the project come about, Brian? Uh, as director of Bird City, Wisconsin, I got to watch what happened right over the, the border in Minnesota with the Minnesota Vikings and their stadium. Mm -hmm. That was a real and, disaster, right? Yeah. I, I like to say that the good thing that came out of that is an example of not what to do. Uh -huh. um, so I got to watch that, and I contacted the Milwaukee Bucks the day that the state funding was approved for the arena. Um, the earlier you talk to somebody, the better it is, because it doesn't really add a lot of cost if you're still in the design phase of the building. Mm -hmm. So that that was a, that was a great move uh, on your part to do it that uh, quickly, and I, and obviously they uh, they listened to what you say. I have a, a quote here from uh, Bucks President Peter Fagan. He said, "Bird City, Wisconsin, came to us." three years ago to educate us on migration and best practices. We were able to integrate many of their suggestions in the design phase of the project. So how did you convince uh, Mr. Fagan and the Bucks to do it? Um, I had a meeting with the team. So I wrote, a, I wrote a letter to the team president and the ownership and all of the design firms that were working on it. Mm -hmm. um, and 
they said, all right, we'll go talk to the architects. And I made sure that I got a meeting with the team, too, because I knew ultimately they were going to decide if this was going to happen or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was kind of they were they were on board and they liked what they heard, but I didn't really know how far they were going to go mm-hmm. through the whole process. So it was kind of three years of me being the nicest pain in the butt that I could be <laughs> and just kind of continually, you know, checking in and making sure that, you know, that I was telling them that they could definitely do this and how much um, press and how important it would be if they did. Mm-hmm. So you get the squeaky wheel award too, among other things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so the bird, uh, the uh, building's gotten LEED uh, certification as an environmentally friendly building. So all these things that they did, are you, are you, is it all you hoped for? Yeah, I mean, the step that they took to become the first arena to do this is kind of remarkable. Um, part of the difficulty with arenas and stadiums is that they are not like normal buildings. They are meant to be used at night and shinier and flashier and, you know, big big public structures that really cut, um, cut a, good, a good profile. Um, so it makes it more difficult to convince somebody like that um, that they can do this. And the big part is that people just don't really know what it entails. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the architects, when I was meeting with them, they said, oh, well, we use all the materials you're talking about in buildings anyway. Hmm. But they just had no idea that they could be used to prevent birds from hitting the windows. So they use them in what, some other kinds of applications? Yeah. Um, so the Milwaukee Bucks... You know, there, there's a formula that goes into getting the, the bird-friendly building credit, which is SSPC55 um, in the LEED program. And you have to follow a formula to take care of the glass. You have to um, meet certain lighting requirements and participate in lights out, um, which is turning the lights off overnight during migration. And then you have to monitor the building for three years so that the American Bird Conservancy and LEED can see how how the building practices are working um, because the lead credit is kind of an evolving an evolving Mm -hmm. credit that we do the best to um, keep as current as possible Mm -hmm. Um, if i'm correct milwaukee is one of wisconsin's bird city communities what does that designation mean brian and can be can it be exported elsewhere um well bird city wisconsin recognizes communities for the conservation and education that they do, especially as it's focused to birth. Um, There are six different categories in the criteria, and within each of the six categories, there is a big menu of items that communities have to take um, to be certified as a bird city. And there is a second level high flyer for those that do the harder actions and do a lot. Um, And Bird City, Wisconsin recognized its first communities in 2010 and currently has 109 communities that are in the program. Um, The the design is to both give credit for good actions that are currently happening and to foster new partnerships and new relationships between like-minded people who live in the same place but don't yet know each other. Mm -hmm. And um, we have an award that we give and we make an for the initial award, we make a drive to wherever they are and officially present it. And that is kind of a fun trip because you get to show up at these communities and see people that 
are big champions for birds and conservation and education meet each other for the first time, even though they live 10 blocks apart. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And um, so Wisconsin is really kind of on the leading edge, would you say, of, of this kind of thing? Um, yeah, the Bird City Wisconsin program started here. Um, since then, it has spread with a, you know direct help from Bird City Wisconsin to Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, Texas, um, Maryland is starting one, and then there are a couple other states that we're talking to right now to see if they'd be interested. Wow, that's fantastic. Just quickly, Brian, we're almost out of time, but uh, I wonder if you could just tell us, you know, people, uh, people's homes are a big source of window crashes and uh, bird mortality. What's the latest and greatest to prevent bird collisions on our homes? Uh, most people, if you ask them where bird collisions happen, point to the tall buildings downtown. Mm -hmm. Um, and the research shows that there are 599 million, excuse me, 599 million, uh, deaths following window collisions in the United States every year. Of that 1%, less than 1% happens at skyscrapers. Mm -hmm. And there can be some really, really bad skyscrapers, but relative to the other building types, there just aren't very many. Mm Um, so 54% of those happen at low rise and 46% happen right at people's homes. Um, with, you know, one to 10 birds a year, probably being a decent range. Certainly you could have more than that, depending on what your home look like. So the American bird conservancy has a tunnel where we actually test glass products and retrofit products to make sure that birds can see them if you put them up and we have a website called birdsmartglass.org where we list those products that people can go and check out and put on their home windows. So, you know, I like to say it would be wonderful if everybody decided to cover every square inch of all of their windows. I don't expect that. I, I say, you know, start with the window that you've heard a bird hit before. And every time you hear a bird hit a window, take care of that window. And pretty soon you won't hear any more. And that's Bird Smart Glass. .org. Yep, Brian, you got it. Brian Lenz is the American Bird Conservancy's Collisions Campaign Manager. Before that, led Bird City, Wisconsin, and spearheaded their efforts to help create the world's first bird-friendly sports arena. Brian, thank you so much for being on with us, and thanks for that great achievement and on the work you continue to do with ABC. Yeah. Thank, thank you for being willing to talk about it. One of the best parts about the arena has been the press and the outreach that has come Um, and the number of avenues that we can use to talk about collisions that we don't traditionally get to use. So this is great. Thank you. Thanks again, Brian. Up next, our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. Tanzania hosts more than a thousand bird species. And on safari with Nasera safaris, you'll see the birds and the big five. The lion, leopard, elephant, rhino, and cape buffalo. That's Nasera safaris founder and guide, Joseph Dunguru. And Nasera safaris provides more, says co-founder David Clapp. We offer customized safaris and mountain climbing adventures in Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda, and gorilla trekking in both Uganda and Rwanda. Going on safari in Africa is an unforgettable experience, and there's no better way to do it than with Nasera Safaris. See their website for details, nasarasafaris.com. 
N-A-S-E-R-A, Nasera Safaris. Just before our Mystery Bird Contest, a message here from the folks who make our favorite coffee. That, of course, is Birds and Beans, shade-grown, bird-friendly coffee. And it's a special message because right now you can get 12 12-ounce bags of delicious Birds and Beans coffee at a 25% discount. And that's 25% off the price of this beautiful coffee assortment. Three bags of Scarlet Tanager Dark Roast. Three Chestnut Sided Warbler Medium Roast. Two American Red Start Light Roast. Two Wood Thrush Medium Roast. One Baltimore Oriole Decaf and one Kingbird Espresso. Twelve 12 ounce bags for $120. That's a 25% discount. And what a perfect item for any coffee lover and nature lover and bird lover on your list. Remember, Birds and Beans is the only coffee brand in the U.S. that is 100% certified, Smithsonian shade-grown, bird-friendly, USDA organic, and fair trade certified. Every bean in every bag helps save birds, tropical forests, helps family farmers and their workers, and local rural economies and the earth we all share. And it is delicious coffee. Take advantage of this big discount offer, and please don't wait. Order yours today at birdsandbeanscoffee.com. That's birdsandbeanscoffee.com. And that's our mystery bird clues in a moment. Prizes first, a Droll Yankees original iconic A6F classic tube feeder copied all over the world. The lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. Squirrels can't chew those durable metal parts. Bonus prize is a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game, and a 12-ounce bag of that delicious, shade-grown, bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. Here's our number. We urge you to call as soon as possible. We are shorter than usual of time right now. 781-837-4900 is the number 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird about 17 inches long, three-foot wingspan, long, uh, slender, yellow to reddish-orange bill, a short forked table, uh, tail, <laughs> tail, and in breeding plumage, a complete black cap with a shaggy crest and no table. Otherwise, mostly white all over, some dark coloration on the wingtips. It feeds by plunge diving for fish. In North America, our bird is found all along the Pacific coast, seen rarely in the Northeast. The first part of this bird's common name might have been stylish, graceful, sophisticated, or classic, but it's none of those. What is it? 781-837-4900. Take a guess if you're not positive, because no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner from among all answers received. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Meanwhile, let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Well, here's a preview of another great nature book from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, publishers of the Peterson Field Guides, the Kaufman Field Guides, and many more useful guidebooks and reading books. Every child knows the allure of climbing trees, but how many of us get to make a living at it, spending days observing nature from the canopies of stunning forests all around the world? As a wildlife cameraman, James Aldred spends his working life high up in trees, capturing key moments in the lives of wild animals and birds. 
Aldred's climbs take him to the most incredible and majestic trees in existence. In Venezuela, even body armor isn't guaranteed protection against the razor-sharp talons of a nesting harpy eagle. In Australia, the peace of being lulled to sleep in a hammock 25 stories above the ground after a grueling day of climbing and filming is broken by a midnight storm that threatens to topple the tree. Read about these and his many other adventures in The Man Who Climbs Trees, available wherever books are sold. Mike O'Connor is down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, the legendary Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, and he's about to join us on the phone here to tell us about the number one feeder bird, if I have this right, in America's backyards. Good morning, that's, Mike. That's right. According to Cornell's uh, Project Feeder Watch, this is the bird that most people see in their yard. Eighty percent of the people who put out feeders see this bird. Want to guess what it is, Ray? Uh, is it, uh, let me see, uh, it's just kind of a wild guess, uh, dark-eyed junco. Oh, man, you cheated exactly <laughs> right, the dark-eyed junco, the bird that most people call snowbirds because this is a bird that likes to eat it in the woods, but when things get tough, they readily come to our backyards. When, when mm-hmm. the woods get covered over and the fields get covered over, they don't care. They'll come right to our <laughs> yards, and they come for what's their favorite food. Believe it or not, millet, the stuff we all make fun of. And we put in, you know, in mixes and stuff to use as fillers. And, you know, a lot of the chickadees and the nuthatches and the tip mice have no use for. But the juncos will clean it up for you. And they're, they're a very common. There's like, I think there's like something like 60, 600 million of these birds throughout North America. So they can be very common when, when things get tough. And you know, you can identify most of the time they're gray. They have a pink bill and they have white flashes on their table, I guess the new word is now. <laughs> right but on I think the table. On the, yeah, they're on the table. <laughs> <laughs> on their tail, white flashing on their tail, which makes them easily identifiable when they when they come to the feeder. Now, I always complain about mixies, so you can buy white millet separately and sprinkle that, or you can use mixtures, but then you end up with other stuff that mm-hmm. the birds don't eat. But these birds are very interesting because they come in a lot of different subspecies. Yeah. Most people get the slate-colored junco, but we also get the Oregon and pink-sided and gray-headed, and mm-hmm. they're all um, all the same bird. But we get these subspecies throughout the country. It used to be but, called the slate-colored junco, right? And then that just became one of the subspecies. Am I, am I right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, they they had listed all these other birds as, as individual species, and they said, well, no, they're all kind of the same. You know, they get all fancy with their DNA testing and stuff like yeah. that. So it's your dark-eyed junco. Put out a little millet, and you'll see the white flashing table, and you'll be all ready to go. Watch for the table. Talk to you next week, Mike. <laughs> For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. We're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest, and we are trying to identify this mystery bird right here. 17 inches long, wingspan of uh, almost 3 feet. Uh, Let's see, what else? It plunge dives for fish is one thing. That it does there. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. What do you think that mystery bird is? We have a beautiful batch of prizes, and we have Sandy in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on the line with us. Good morning, Sandy. Hi, Ray. How are things in Pittsburgh, Sandy? A beautiful city. Pretty good. All right. Well, good to hear from you. And what do you think, uh, mystery bird, Sandy? I'm guessing the Royal Turn. The Royal Turn. That is like almost beyond a top quality guess. 
but uh, not exactly what we were, were looking for. Then, uh, Sandy, thank you so much, and, and call thank us again. You. All yes, right. I will. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. From a beautiful city of Pittsburgh, but a kind of a muddy, a muddy phone line there. Seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred. We have Chris in Albion, California. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Rick. Good morning. Great to hear from you. You sound uh, you sound pretty lively. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. All right. Good. Well, good to hear. Albion is where? I hope you're not too near all that horrible. It's uh, on the Mendocino coast. Okay. So you're not that. I've far- already won this uh, twice. I, I call every six months. Every. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you're. you're <laughs> and I was wondering if that feeder's bear proof because my last feeder got destroyed by a bear. So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about the bear proof. They're squirrel proof, but I'm not sure about the bear proof. <laughs> I think they're they're working on a prototype of that right now. So what, right. what's uh, what's your answer, uh, uh, Chris? I say the elegant turn. The elegant turn is absolutely right. Nice job. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Every six months, I'll call in. <laughs> All right, and we'll uh, we'll check on the progress on the bearproof feeder while while we wait. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Okay, that's Chris in Albion, California, correctly identifying the elegant turn is our. Mystery Bird. That's it for our show this morning. Thank you so much. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee, birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Ocean State Bird Club offers bird walks, lectures, and a quarterly newsletter, all focused on the hundreds of bird species that pass through Rhode Island. Fall is the perfect time to bid farewell to the last of the summer migrants. Find us at oceanstatebirdclub.org and follow us on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.